happy Boxing Day. This is the day when the wealthy would box up their extra goodies and deliver them to their servants or to those who were poor. And so everybody gets blessed in England during this time. Very special time there. And they have there also what they call the Boxing Day Blues. We might call it the post-Christmas blues where family all goes back home and things kind of go back to normal. Well, today I hope to fight that with this sermon today. In Jesus and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one, into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son. And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. 
Luke chapter 2 opens with Mary having returned back to Nazareth, having visited her cousin, her relative, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. And there they had a glorious time. Two miraculous births, Mary the greater one, but Elizabeth being old and barren, it was miraculous as well. And it came to pass in those days that Caesar put out a decree for all the world to be registered. When the government wants to register you, this census thing that happens is not necessarily for the good of the people, it's for the good of the government. They want to see how much tax they can expect to get in coming years. Not that it matters to our government anymore. They'll just... That's very much a concern anyway. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. This has been debated because Quirinius is a character that appears more strongly in history after all this. But every time they've doubted biblical archaeology, sooner or later it becomes confirmed. And so to be registered, it was just mass chaos across the empire. And everyone had to go back to their roots or back to where they came from if they were a man, to be registered and possibly where they own property for taxation purposes. So Joseph, who was living up by Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, uh, goes to Bethlehem, which means the house of bread, and there Mary will give birth to the bread of life. He's a stone made without hands, and there he will be laid in a stone manger or bed, a feeding trough, a tub, to be registered. And there was no room for them in the inn, so they were in a barn of sorts. Now, people are arguing currently over whether or not it was an inn or a guest room. And uh, I heard a preacher the other day say there wasn't inns in those days. Well, apparently Jesus didn't know that. In Luke chapter 10, telling the story of the Good Samaritan, he took the wounded man who he had administered to and took him to an inn. Now, it is a different Greek word than this. Needless to say, the town was overflowing with more people than it could hold. During the anti-Semitic days of church history, a legend developed around an evil innkeeper who wanted more money and the master was turned away because of his evil Jewish greediness. That's not true at all. There was just no room in the town for him and so they were basically out of doors. Here's the Lord of creation, <laughs> the King of kings, arriving in humble, humble beginnings. So this was in sheep territory, and living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night were some shepherds. And an angel of the Lord stands before them, and God's glory shines around them. And they were greatly afraid. They were terrified. You know, some people talk about, when I see an angel, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And when I see the Lord, I'm going to tell him, where were you? I don't know that we'll do that. It'll be terrifying. The angel says, do not be afraid. Fear not. A lot of the fear nots uh, go with these kind of apparitions, these manifestations. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, mega joy, which will be to all people. 
The word there for good tidings is evangelism or evangelos, euangelos. Basically, I bring you the gospel, the good news of the birth of Jesus. For there is born to you this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So in those days, the world was in chaos, but this day the Messiah was born in the city of David, and they could find him laying in a manger. So they go to Bethlehem. They're not knocking doors. They're looking in barns. They're looking, they're looking where the livestock are. But before they leave, a multitude of angels appear and declare, this is my text today, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. So when the angel had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurry and go to Bethlehem. They find him, and then they go throughout the town waking everybody up. This is the middle of the night. The whole village knows of Christ's arrival. This is called the advent or the arrival. And... Uh, so probably a more correct nativity set would be the babe in a manger with Joseph and Mary surrounded by hundreds of folks squeezing in to see this amazing thing that had been proclaimed by the angels. The shepherds returned, verse 20, praising and glorifying God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now to us, the name Jesus is a name above every name, but the name as a label to us is very uncommon. But if you go to other cultures, it's common. I mean, we have Jesus, the baseball player, right, in the big leagues. A common name for us is Joshua. Well, that's Jesus. Translated not from Greek, but from Hebrew. Yeshua becomes Joshua. Jesus becomes Jesus. And it was a common name in that day. You remember the story of Barabbas? Barabbas means Abba's child, Bar-Abba, one of God's children. His first name was Jesus. Jesus died in the place of Jesus, means salvation. His death literally saved Abba's children, saved us. Isn't that awesome? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your word will come alive for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, Christmas peace. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Christ came to bring peace during chaotic times. This is chaos. A decree goes out from the emperor of the world, that part of the world, that all the world should be registered. Taxation is coming. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Eventually the Roman government got their act together, and this was done every 14 years once they figured out how to do it. So this was a glorious mess, an unglorious mess of how to do this and to do it right so no one's double taxed or they, God forbid, that they skip someone. 
in Africa. We lived in Liberia in the jungle for the first year, and there they have a hut tax. If you live in a hut, that hut gets taxed. That's their way of doing it. So, so it is with government. Christ came to bring peace in poor circumstances. Here's the Savior of the world wrapped in cloths, swaddling cloths, strips of cloth, bound tightly, laid in a manger, a feeding trough, the bread of life in the house of bread, Bethlehem, the house of David, because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room in anybody's guest room. There was just no room they could find. I mean, if you wanted to take in a homeless person, would you take in somebody about to deliver a child? That would be a challenge, right? That's the one that needs it the most, but for some reason, it didn't happen for them. Chances are Joseph had kin folks there, and it was just full, you know. Sorry, you guys are too late. Billy Bob took the bedroom, you know, so. Christ came to bring peace to every person. Tell someone, everybody. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you the gospel. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. I believe the gospel is for everybody. Everybody. Not a select few. All people. Christ came to bring peace in spite of opposition. Within two years, they had to flee to Egypt. Arise, Matthew 2.13, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So here's a savior of the world who's come to bring peace to the world. He's being opposed. He's in poor circumstances. They were not in a stable during these days. And is in chaotic times. Must have been real chaos. I mean, they're still there after a couple of years. Jesus does not depend on circumstances to give us peace. In John 16, he said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. So our peace is in him. It's not in circumstances. It's not in our bank balance. It's not in our pedigree or our degrees. It's in Christ. In the world, you will have tribulation. You can take it to the bank. You don't have to name it and claim it, stab it and blab it and kill it and chill it. You can just trust me, it's going to happen. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He walked in peace in the midst. You slept in the middle of a storm. Well, it was just a lake storm. No, trust me. Lake storms can get bad. Who remembers years ago we had a boat that, you, that was a, a floating dining room? It was made like a steamer. What was that thing called? A storm hit the lake. It was about to sink that thing. And the, the pilot or captain had to put it in reverse. It was paddle wheel driven. Put it in reverse and just go against the wind with that paddle wheel. They almost lost it, but they overcame it. Storms are severe. And Christ, sleep. He's at peace. There's peace in the midst of the storm in him. 
so you're rattled? Are the conspiracies true and untrue rattling you? Our peace comes from the Lord. Amen. Christ came to bring peace through true humility. This is how he maintained his peace. He had laid down his pride, all reason to be proud. He laid it down. You couldn't threaten him. You couldn't slander him and it get to him. He knew who he was, but he laid it down. Look at Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves. This is instruction to us. This is the mind of Christ, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was God. He didn't have to hold on to who he was. He was. But he made himself nothing. No reputation, the King James says. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Watchman Nee talked about the humility of Jesus. And he goes through the, the successive steps from his throne and glory as God to becoming a baby, coming through a birth canal like all humans, into a world that didn't like him, born as a Jew under the Roman oppression as a man, living the life of a servant, taking the place of a criminal, being tortured, robbed, maligned, slandered, abused and misused, mocked, and killed. That's humility. One preacher said, the closest that could compare to our experience is for us to choose to become a cockroach. <laughs> That's not a good comparison. We're made in God's image cockroaches or not. But he chose to become one of us and walked in peace because of humility. Sometimes when we get offended, it's not because of humility. It's because of pride. Our pride gets hurt. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and unburdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, I deserve better treatment than this, or I have a right to a better deal than this, or I, 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 I. That's not the yoke of Jesus. That's the yoke of self. If we want to have peace, enjoy Christmas peace, there's humility. So what if your sister got a better bike than you got? When you grow up, you can buy a room full of bikes. This means you may get another one next year when yours wears out. Just Humility is so amazing. I, I've been watching clips of Dan Moeller lately. He's preached here at two different conferences. If you, if you weren't here, I highly recommend you go in and watch him. It's all about giving him your expectations.
putting your hope in him and becoming what he wants us to become. Christmas peace. Well, this generates two questions. One is something Jesus himself said in Luke, of all places, Luke 12, and also in Matthew 10. Let me read the Luke 12. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five and one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. What? How dare Jesus contradict the angels? For unto us a son is given. A child is born, a son is given. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. What, what's Jesus doing here? He didn't come to pick fights. He came to be Lord. He spoke truth. So he didn't come to coddle. He didn't come to appease. He came to bring the way to salvation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he knew that making that stand would upset people's apple carts. So in that sense, he didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring eternal peace. He didn't come to bring temporal peace. If he came to bring temporal peace, he would never have been crucified. He came to bring eternal peace. But doing that, he had to tell people the truth. People that needed to be rebuked had to be rebuked. He paid a price for it. But it was all in God's plan to make the way of salvation for us. So did we handle that question? Okay, the other question. If he came to bring peace on earth, what in the world is going on? Have you read the newspapers, Pastor? Have you watched the news? Yes, I do. I don't watch the commentators anymore. I'm tired of the pundits, the talking heads. Who, who, who enjoys watching football? Do you watch it so you can listen to the experts talk before and in the middle and after the game? No. Man. So I go between Al Jazeera when they're in the field, but even they've got their pundits, and British News, and even they've got their pundits. And I love the reporters out in the field, the people doing the work. The world is in chaos. My son-in-law watched a Billy Graham sermon from the early 60s recently. And he said that sermon is just as relevant today as it was then. What's going on? It's a rebellious world that's rejecting the way to peace. This is a famous poet, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He lived during the Civil War. He lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Father of six, married to a lady named Fanny. They went through the heartbreak of losing one of their four daughters. He had two older sons and four younger daughters. So one of the younger daughters had passed. 
And one day while taking a nap, he was rudely awakened by the screams of his wife whose dress had caught on fire. And in his efforts to put her out with a rug and then his own body, he got badly burned. She died the next day after the fire. He was in such bad shape, he was unable to attend her funeral. He was so scarred up, he grew a beard, which became part of his image in our minds. We don't think of him without one. But he grew a beard to hide the scar tissue on his face. Then in March of 1863, his eldest snuck off and joined Lincoln's army, caught a train for D.C., 400 miles away, joined Lincoln's army. And then in November, while eating alone in his home, Wadsworth got a telegram that his son had been shot in the face four days earlier. So he rushed to investigate and found out he wasn't shot in the face, he was shot in the back. The bullet narrowly missed his spinal cord. Less than an inch, his son would have been paralyzed. So in the wake of all this, he's back at home, Christmas Day, 1863, Cambridge, Massachusetts, and he hears people proclaiming peace on earth, goodwill to men. His country has turned against itself. He's lost one child, almost lost another, lost a wife, been badly injured. The world's been pretty rough. And to hear peace on earth, goodwill toward men, it just doesn't set right with him. So he writes a poem I heard the bells on Christmas Day. It starts out kind of nice, then turns into a lament, and then revelation dawns at the end. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, The belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. How can it be to this day? This is still happening. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Here comes a revelation. Then peal the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Two years later, someone put music to it. Here is Casting Crowns singing their version of the song. I heard the bells on Christmas Day 
And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks a song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. And this is what he heard the bells say in his poem. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Who's ready for the return of Christ? Lord, <laughs> make Christmas Day pale in light of that great day. In Jesus' name, amen. Have hope, folks. The story's not over. Keep pushing through. Thank God for the tastes of heaven that we get. Is hot chocolate a taste of heaven or what? <laughs> Have you ever had Mexican hot chocolate? Oh, my goodness. Woo. Take instant hot chocolate, put it in real milk. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, thank you so much for worshiping with us today. I'm going to pronounce a blessing and release you. But I'd like to do a little something different. Notice today we didn't do our handshaking time. I thought we'd do it at the end where nobody will say, Ah, man. Just let you go. How about it? It'll be to the bluegrass sounds of the Petersons singing a more traditional version of I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in spite of chaos, in spite of tough times. Peace in Christ is yours, and he is enough. <laughs> You're enough, Lord. Amen. Go get him, tigers. Have some fellowship.
For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace.